good morning to you. It's an unexpected pleasure to be with you this morning, one that I wasn't anticipating. In fact, I was in the middle of a, a lock doing some fishing. I'm able to be here uh, and to share with you some stuff that has been a blessing to me, and I be a blessing to you too. Perhaps you might like to take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 21, quite a long reading, but what we're going to think about this morning is encounters with Jesus, because in our reading there are uh, three encounters with Jesus, and I think that we can learn some useful truth uh, from looking at those encounters with Jesus. So Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 21, and the heading in my Bible is a dead girl and a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowning against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. 
Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was twelve years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. What an, an extraordinary passage of scripture. Let's just pray together. Father, we're so grateful that we have the opportunity of looking at this passage together. And we want to ask, O oh Lord, that in your own beautiful and lovely way, that you would come and, and just open our minds and open the word that, that we might learn truth that would be a blessing to us, not just today, O oh Lord, but for every day. And grant, Father, that the response of our hearts to your truth might bring honor and glory and pleasure to your great name, because we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Oops, my pacemaker is flashing. Please ignore it. Um, encounters with Jesus, encountering Jesus. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was always taught that whenever you come to look at a Bible passage and want to understand the Bible passage, it's always wise to consider the context. It's useful to kind of stand back and get the big picture, because if you only get the little bit that's in front of your eyes, you can miss out on some larger and more significant truth. So, we want to ask, what is the big picture? What's the context today for the truth that we're going to look at? Well, in uh, the previous chapter, in verse 35, we read that then that, that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So Jesus and the disciples got into a boat and they went off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And you will remember that when they were in the boat, Jesus was so tired that he went to sleep. But they went straight into a storm. And the text tells us that the waves were so large that they actually came into the boat. And the disciples were terrified. And they woke up, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And then you'll remember he stood up and he said, Peace be still. And it was still. The wind died down and the waves died down. And they were absolutely amazed. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were overwhelmed by it. But Jesus had said to them, Do you still have no faith? After all they'd seen and witnessed about his life and ministry, did they still have no faith? Well, they landed on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and there we meet the Gadarene demoniac, this man who had an evil spirit. And he lived amongst the tombs, and he was absolutely mad. He would shout and scream, and they used to try to uh, catch him and tie him up, but he was so strong that he broke the chains that bound him. And sometimes he cut himself hurting us. It was, it was awful. Well, when the boat landed and Jesus got out of the boat, this gathering demoniac came out of the tombs and he saw Jesus and he rushed to him. What have you got to do with me, son of God? And we know what happened then. Jesus said, identify yourself. Who are you? And the response was, well, legion, for we are many. 
there were many demons possessing that poor man. Well, the demons said, have you come to torture us? And they said, please, just don't send us away. Allow us to go and inhabit some pigs. There were some pigs nearby. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. So Jesus did allow them to go into the pigs. And the pigs were on a hillside, about 2,000 of them. And as soon as uh, the man was in his right mind and the demons had gone into the pigs, the pigs rushed down the hill and into the Sea of Galilee and they all drowned. And uh, news got back into the villages that their pigs had, for the most part, drowned. So they came out to see what was going on and they came across the demoniac, but he was in his right mind and fully clothed and he was sitting down listening to Jesus. And they were so impacted by that 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 they said to Jesus that people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They didn't want any more encounters with him. They wanted him to go because he was impacting their lives in ways that they didn't like. Well, what's very interesting is this, that our Lord does not stay where he's not wanted And so he left. What an opportunity those people missed. So one crowd sighed with relief as Jesus left. But another crowd was waiting to welcome him when he returned to Capernaum. Verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Now there were two people in the crowd who were especially anxious to see Jesus. There was a man called Jairus who was the uh, leader of the synagogue and he had a little daughter aged about 12 but she was dying. And then there was an unnamed woman who was suffering from a debilitating disease, and she'd suffered from this disease for 12 long years. It says in verse 26, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Her situation was absolutely dire. She tried every available cure. The Talmud, which is the Hebrew writings, actually offered 11 cures for conditions like hers. One was to stand at a crossroads with a glass of wine in your hand, and then somebody was to come up behind you and give you a fright, a little bit like the hiccups. I don't know if that cure has worked for you, but it certainly didn't work for this woman. And there was another cure, which is even more bizarre. Uh, She had to uh, take a a, a little uh, grain of of barley corn that had been eaten and digested by a white donkey. And once it had passed through the system, she had to kind of dig it out and keep it. And that was supposed to offer her a cure, but not surprisingly, it didn't work. So she'd spent all she had looking for cures. But she couldn't find one. She was broke. She was cut off from home, from society, from the synagogue, because she was considered to be unclean. And if she'd been married, her husband wouldn't have had anything to do with her. 
She was absolutely desperate. She was marginalized. She was uh, a lady to be avoided. Nobody would even want her shadow to fall on them. People would turn and look elsewhere. I wonder, was it for 12 long years that she hadn't felt somebody's arm around her to embrace her? Her situation was absolutely awful. On the other hand, there was Jairus. He was a prominent man, one of the synagogue rulers. He was a man of affluence and influence. He was quite important, but he had a great need. He had a daughter, and she was 12 years of age. Luke tells us that. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter... A girl of about 12 was dying. We don't know if he had any sons, but we do know that he had one daughter, and she was the joy of his heart. But she was dying. So he was absolutely, utterly desperate. It wasn't easy for Jairus to come to Jesus publicly and ask for help. The religious leaders who were opposed to Jesus would certainly not have approved, nor would some of the uh, other synagogue leaders. The things that Jesus had done and taught in the synagogues had aroused the anger of the scribes and Pharisees, some of whom were probably Jairus' friends. And they certainly wouldn't have approved of Jairus going to see Jesus, but Jairus was absolutely desperate. Sometimes it takes for us to be in a desperate situation before we will come to Jesus. But Jairus would rather lose his friends and save his beloved daughter. It was no contest in his mind. So here we see two desperate representations of society. One affluent, rich, wealthy, the other poor, one accepted, the other an outcast, one part of a loving family, and the other one alone, but both of them were beyond natural help. Isn't it interesting that the little girl was 12, but this poor lady had been suffering for 12 years, but now Adversity was binding their, their, their lives together even though they were unaware of one another. And they both were recipients of God's life-giving power. Now these stories tell us how God brings faith into the lives of those he touches and how he causes that faith to grow. And these stories unite around three encounters and can help our faith grow that we might know more of God's love and God's power. So let's just look at the encounters quickly. First of all, we have Jesus and Jairus. Look at verses 22 to 24. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Isn't that amazing? He, he didn't stand in front of Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and, and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. 
The crowd, the crowd must have been absolutely amazed to see Jairus approaching Jesus. After all, Jesus was an outsider who'd been accused of heresy. And yet here was one of the religious leaders not only coming to Jesus, but bowing down before him in humility and pleading for help with his dying daughter. Now please understand that Jairus hadn't suddenly become a follower of Jesus, nor had he suddenly developed faith. He simply came to Jesus because he was absolutely desperate. He would have done anything to see his daughter healed. Now, he'd likely heard of Jesus and heard of some of the miracles that Jesus had performed. Maybe he'd witnessed one. We don't know. Maybe he'd spoken to somebody who had been healed. He wasn't sure about Jesus, but Jesus represented the only possibility of hope for him, and so he went to Jesus. Jairus was like so many of us in our coming to Christ. It wasn't his love for Christ that brought him. It wasn't what he could do for Christ. It was his need, his desperation. It was the glimmer of hope that was offered by Christ. And despair is often a prelude to grace. It certainly was in my life. Jairus's infant faith was going to bring great rewards, especially as we see Jesus uh, leading him through the events that followed. And Mark records that Jesus immediately went with Jairus. There was no hesitation. I think that's a rather lovely thing, that when somebody comes to Jesus and asks for help, that there is that beautiful response. Jesus responded, and as they went, we read that a large crowd followed and pressed around him. It must have been excruciating for uh, Jairus as he and Jesus were slowed down, a little bit like an ambulance on the motorway, sirens blazing, uh, or rather sirens making a terrible racket, and the lights flashing, but the number of cars just impeding the progress and everybody tries to get out of the way. It was a little bit like that for Jairus. He just wanted Jesus to get to his home as quickly as possible. Now of course the people were just curious. Nobody wanted to miss a thing and then to Jairus's dismay everything came to a, a sudden halt. And we have Jesus meeting the woman. Now it's very hard for us to understand what life was like for the woman. She could have used any one of a number of excuses to convince herself to stay away from Jesus. For a start, she was unclean, and that meant if she got into the company of others in close proximity, if she broke the one-meter rule that we have today, uh, she, she could have been stoned to death. She could have thought to herself, well, I'm not really very important. Why would he have anything to do with me? After all, for the last 12 years, I've been utterly marginalized by society. She could have thought to herself, well, it's just absolutely hopeless. I've tried everything else and there's no point. But you know, she laid aside every excuse that she could have thought of 
and she came to Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And what's very interesting to me is that she went up behind Jesus because she didn't want to be the focus of anybody's attention. But like many in her day, she thought if she touched the, the garment of somebody holy, maybe something of the holiness would flow from the holy person to touch and impact her. Some of the versions say that she touched the hem of his garment. The, the Greek, I think, says she touched as the edge of the garment. If it was the hem of his garment, maybe she had to bend down to do it. And sometimes we have to bend down if we're going to come to Jesus well, she reached out and she touched his robe. What must it have been like in that instant to feel the surge of God's power coursing through her body? Would it have been like an electric shock? I really don't know. We're not told. But what we do know was that in that instant, she was healed, and she knew she'd been healed. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. In that instant, the pain had gone. She knew she was healed. How extraordinary. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, "'Who touched my clothes?' You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The, the disciples said, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. And all the time there was poor Jairus. And he was probably hopping from foot to foot, wanting, just wanting Jesus to get a move on to go to his home. He was agitated by the, by the delay. But just imagine the woman's heart pounding with fear and joy. And then Jesus called her out. Now my question to you this morning is, why do you think Jesus did that? Why do you think he called the woman to identify herself in front of that whole crowd? Well, I can think of some reasons. You see, Jesus had a lesson plan in mind. He wanted to teach her. He wanted to teach Jairus. He wanted to teach the crowd. And I think he wanted to teach us some truths. So let's just look at a couple of these truths. The first reason, I think, was Jesus had a vital lesson for, um, for her, for Jairus, and for us. This woman had a little faith, but in truth, it was ignorant, it was uninformed, and it was superstitious, but it was real. And Jesus honored it. She didn't know a great deal about him. She didn't know what his expectations were. She just knew that he was there, and she went. How encouraging it is to know that we don't have to have it all figured out to possess a faith that pleases God. Her faith was selfish. She no thought about him and what he wanted. All she wanted was to be healed. 
But you know, Jesus wanted to be more than a healer to her. I think he wanted to be her friend and he wanted to be her savior. Why do I say that? Well, there's a little technical thing here. Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. The little word healed there is sozo, and it's sometimes translated saved. So Jesus could have said to her, your faith has saved you. Is there a kind of a double meaning here to illustrate a truth that Jesus wanted not just to see her healed physically, which would be great for her life, but he wanted to see her healed for the whole of eternity. How marvelous, how marvelous. And then I think there is a vital lesson for us all. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Do you know, it is possible for us to be gathered around Jesus and rub shoulders with him, as it were, and remain completely untouched and unchanged. Because as we go through the account, we see Peter saying, look, the crowd are pressing around you. And yet, the power of Christ only went out to one. So is it possible for us to come to a church like this on a Sunday morning to be in a crowd, as it were, gathered around Jesus and to go away unchanged? What was the difference? Well, that woman reached out with a finger of faith. And I have to confess that there's been many times when I've come into church and sat and listened and gone out again, unchanged. But I think the lesson here is that when we come and gather around Jesus, he wants us to reach out with the finger of faith to touch him. That something of his power might come in, out and touch our lives. And then the third lesson is this. Jesus taught her. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And it's wonderful that he speaks to her so tenderly. He says, daughter. That's the only time he addresses a woman as daughter. Daughter. Isn't that lovely? Your faith has healed you or your faith has saved you. Now, notice that it was her faith that had healed her or saved her. It may have been a small and ignorant and weak, but Jesus honored it. Jesus honored it. Now, this poor woman represents humanity, all of us. You see, we're all ill. Our illness is sin. And if we are concerned about it, we will have spent some of our resources trying remedies which don't work. But Christ comes to us from the cross, and we need to touch him by faith. Don't fear that he won't respond. Don't fear that you're too ignorant. Don't fear that you're too selfish. Fear only one thing, that you will let him pass by without reaching out to touch him. Jairus had not forgotten his daughter, 
But as he, as he watched what the Lord Jesus did with this woman, surely his faith had grown stronger. It had been elevated by what he'd witnessed. Though I don't imagine he understood very much of it. His faith and his hope for his daughter had, had, had been greatly strengthened through witnessing the miracle. And now he wanted Jesus to get going, to come to his house. Verse 35 says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue, and said, your, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Oh, Jairus had come to Jesus with a, a, a wistful belief that Jesus could help his daughter the miracle that he'd just witnessed had strengthened his faith. But now Jesus had, was challenging him to believe in a resurrection. For Jesus said to him, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus was challenging him to believe that Jesus could not only do miracles and heal illnesses, but that he could raise the dead. Poor Jairus, how his heart was thumping within him, hoping against hope that Jesus could help. Don't be afraid, just believe. I wonder, could it be that Jesus is saying that to somebody this morning? No idea what's going on in your life, which is probably just as well, but Jesus does. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And then we have this third encounter that we often overlook, and it's the encounter that the little girl, the child, had with Jesus. Jesus set out with Peter, James, and John, and when they came to the home of the synagogue leader Jairus, uh, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. They were professional mourners in those days, people who, who used to do this, I guess, for a living. Uh, and Jesus came along and he said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. You see, unbelief laughs at God's word, but faith grabs hold of God's word. So Jesus put them out, and after he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. Very interestingly, that the scriptures say that it needed uh, any miracle needed to be attested by two or three witnesses. But there were five witnesses to this miracle. There was Jairus and his wife, and then Peter, James, and John. And can you imagine what it was like in that room, this little girl lying dead on her bed? The mum and dad probably breaking their hearts, crying, so upset, and Peter, James, and who? And then Jesus speaks. And can you imagine the cold ears of the little girl hearing the words of Jesus penetrating, touching her mind? Jesus said, he took her by the hand, and he said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, life coursed through her body, and she jumped up. 
and she began to walk around. How extraordinary that was. And at this, they were completely astonished. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know how they would have reacted. They would have been overwhelmed to see that little girl walking around. And Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about it. And then he told them to give her something to eat. How wonderful that was. That little girl had been ill for a time and maybe she was weak in body and she needed something to eat. And Jesus said, give her something to eat. I sometimes think of Peter and the others who'd fished all night after the crucifixion. And Peter had gone back to his old way of life. He'd blown it big time and he was giving up. And Jesus stood on the shore and he shouted out, have you caught any fish? No, we fished all night and caught nothing. He said, well, cast your nets out. And they did and they got a huge quantity of fish. And then Peter jumps out of the boat and he goes ashore and he discovers that Jesus had cooked him breakfast. He was cold and hungry. How marvelous that the hands that made the world cooked breakfast for Peter and the others. How caring of the Lord to suggest some food for this little girl. I think it's a marvelous thing that Jesus helped all sorts of different kinds of people. And do you know something? He still does. He still does. Is that not the testimony of many of us today? He still does. What is the Christ like who gives life? He's all-powerful. He's able to calm the raging sea. Very many years ago, I was um, pastor of a church in Suffolk, East Anglia, in a farming community, and we had a, a put up a tent in one of the local villages to have a tent mission. And in the middle of the afternoon, the electricity went out, and one of the farmers phoned me, said, we've got no electricity. And I said, how can we get a generator? So we got a generator, and uh, we, 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 we put the PA system at this big marquee attached it to the generator. And uh, the, the, the tent pegs holding the, the sides of the marquee down had all come loose. They were flapping in the wind. And it was so bad that a back cloth, that the nice big red back cloth, which was behind the pulpit, it flapped so much that it ripped in two. I don't know if it was from top to bottom or bottom to top, but it ripped in two anyway. And we had an electric organ there, and a lady was playing it, and the two, two of the youngsters had to hold the music because it wouldn't blow away. And I was going to have to preach in this. I thought, Lord, this is going to be difficult. So I prayed out loud. I said, let's pray to the folks. And I said, let's pray. Lord, you stood in the bow of a boat many years ago. And he said, peace be still. And it was. Would you say it again, Lord? And at that, the wind went, shh. And it stopped. It was amazing. And then we preached the gospel. And the Lord was there. That's what God does, all-powerful, calms the raging sea, powerful enough to cast out demons with just a word, powerful enough to heal a woman with, from a disease that had troubled her for 12 years, powerful enough to raise a child from the dead, understanding, loving, gentle, and inviting. Three folks who encountered Jesus and their lives were totally changed. Do you think that little girl ever forgot her death experience? Do you think her father ever stopped talking about it? 
And what about the woman who'd been healed from the flow of blood? Don't you think she went round telling all her old friends who were now new friends what Jesus had done for her? That's what Jesus does. But oh, the background to all of that is that group of people who said, go away, we don't want you. You're making too much of a difference to our lives. Oh, wouldn't that be awful if that was said of one of us today? Let us reach out as that woman did with a finger of faith. Let's pray together. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your extraordinary love and grace and care. And we bless you and praise you that this morning you've privileged us by drawing alongside us. And we pray, Father, that none of us might be afraid, not of you. Whatever we're wrestling with, Lord, maybe things that nobody else knows about, but you know. And you understand. And we ask, Father, that in your mercy and grace that you would help us in these moments. Please, Lord, may our hearts connect with yours. And may your spirit do in us whatever you desire in these moments. We ask it in the precious and lovely name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.